Chapter 4 Drifting with the Devil Question Tell me first about your most clever trick, the one you use to ensnare the greatest number of people. If you force me to give away this secret, it will mean my loss of millions of people now living and still greater numbers of millions as yet unborn. I beg of you, permit me to pass this one question unanswered. So, his majesty, the devil, fears a mere humble earthbound creature. Is that right? It is not right, but it is true. You have no right to rob me of my most necessary tool of trade. For millions of years I have dominated earthbound creatures through fear and ignorance. Now you come along and would destroy my use of these weapons by forcing me to tell how I use them. Do you not realize that you will break my grip on every person who heeds this confession you are forcing from me? Have you no mercy? Have you no sense of humor? Have you no sportsmanship? Stop stalling and start confessing. Who are you to ask mercy of one whom you would destroy if you could? Who are you to talk of sportsmanship and a sense of humor? You, who by your own confession have set up a living hell on earth where you punish innocent people through their fears and ignorance. As for minding my own business, that is just what I am doing when I force you to tell how you control people through their own minds. My business, if it can be called a business, is helping to unlock the doors of the self-made prisons in which men and women are confined because of the fears you have planted in their minds. My greatest weapon over human beings consists of two secret principles by which I gain control of their minds. I will speak first of the principle of habit through which I silently enter the minds of people. By operating through this principle, I establish, I wish I could avoid using this word, the habit of drifting. When a person begins to drift on any subject, he is headed straight toward the gates of what you earthbound call hell. Question. Describe all the ways in which you induce people to drift. Define the word and tell us exactly what you mean by it. I can best define the word drift by saying that people who think for themselves never drift, while those who do little or no thinking for themselves are drifters. A drifter is one who permits himself to be influenced and controlled by circumstances outside of his own mind. He would rather let me occupy his mind and do his thinking than go to the trouble of thinking for himself. A drifter is one who accepts whatever life throws in his way without making a protest or putting up a fight. He doesn't know what he wants from life and spends all of his time getting just that. A drifter has lots of opinions, but they are not his own. Most of them are supplied by me. A drifter is one who is too lazy mentally to use his own brain. That is the reason I can take control of people's thinking and plant my own ideas in their minds. I think I understand what a drifter is. Tell me the exact habits of people by which you induce them to drift through life. Start by telling me when and how you first gain control of a person's mind. My control over the mind of a human being is obtained while the person is young. Sometimes I lay the foundation for my control of a mind before the owner of it is born by manipulating the minds of that person's parents. Sometimes I go further back than this and prepare people for my control through what you earthbound call physical heredity. 
You see, therefore, I have two approaches to the mind of a person. Question. Yes, go on and describe these two doors by which you enter and control the minds of human beings. As I have stated, I help to bring people into your world with weak brains by giving to them before birth as many as possible of the weaknesses of their ancestors. You call this principle physical heredity. After people are born, I make use of what you earthbound call environment as a means of controlling them. This is where the principle of habit enters. The mind is nothing more than the sum total of one's habits. One by one, I enter the mind and establish habits, which lead finally to my absolute domination of the mind. Tell me of the most common habits by which you control the minds of people. That is one of my cleverest tricks. I enter the minds of people through thoughts which they believe to be their own. Those most useful to me are fear, superstition, avarice, greed, lust, revenge, anger, vanity, and plain laziness. Through one or more of these, I can enter any mind at any age, but I get my best results when I take charge of a mind while it is young, before its owner has learned how to close any of these nine doors. Then I can set up habits which keep the doors ajar forever. I am catching on to your methods. Now let us go back to the habit of drifting. Tell us all about that habit, since you say it is your cleverest trick in controlling the minds of people. As I said before, I start people drifting during their youth. I induce them to drift through school without knowing what occupation they wish to follow in life. Here I catch the majority of people. Habits are related. Drift in one direction, and soon you will be drifting in all directions. I also use environmental habits to give me a definite grip on my victims. Question. I see. You make it your business to train children in the habit of drifting by inducing them to go through school without aim or purpose. Now tell me some of your other tricks with which you cause people to become drifters. Well, my second best trick in developing the habit of drifting is one that I put into operation with the aid of parents and public school teachers and religious instructors. I warn you not to force me to mention this trick. Do not disclose this trick. If you do so, you will be hated by my co-workers who helped me use this trick. If you publish this confession in book form, your book will be barred from the public schools. It will be blacklisted by most of the religious leaders. It will be hidden from children by many parents. The newspapers will not dare to give reviews of your book. Millions of people will hate you for writing the book. In fact, no one will like you or your book except those who think, and you know how very few there are of this sort. My advice to you is to let me skip the description of my second best trick. Question. So, for my own good... You wish to withhold the description of your second best trick. No one will like my book except those who think, huh? Very well. Go ahead and answer. You'll regret this, Mr. Earthbound, but the joke is on you. By this mistake of yours, you will divert attention from me to yourself. My co-workers, of whom there are millions, will forget about me and hate you for uncovering my methods. Never mind about me. Tell me all about this second best trick of yours with which you induce people to drift with you to hell. My second best trick is not second at all, it is first. 
It is first because without it, I never could gain control of the minds of the youth. Parents, school teachers, religious instructors, and many other adults unknowingly serve my purpose by helping me to destroy in children the habit of thinking for themselves. They go about their work in various ways, never suspecting what they are doing to the minds of children or the real cause of the children's mistakes. I can hardly believe you, your majesty. I have always believed that children's best friends were those closest to them, their parents, their school teachers, and their religious instructors. Where would children go for dependable guidance if not to those who have charge of them? That is where my cleverness comes in. There is the exact explanation of how I control 98% of the people of the world. I take possession of people during their youth before they come into possession of their own minds by using those who are in charge of them. I especially need the help of those who give children their religious instruction because it is here that I break down independent thought and start people on the habit of drifting by confusing their minds with unprovable ideas concerning a world of which they know nothing. It is also here that I plant in the minds of children the greatest of all fears, the fear of hell. I understand that it is easy for you to frighten children with threats of hell, but how do you continue to make them fear you and your hell after they grow up and learn to think for themselves? Children grow up, but they do not always learn to think for themselves. Once I capture the mind of a child through fear, I weaken that child's ability to reason and to think for himself, and that weakness goes with the child all through life. Is that not taking unfair advantage of a human being by contaminating his mind before he comes into full possession of it? Everything is fair that I can use to further my ends. I have no foolish limitations of right and wrong. Might is right with me. I use every known human weakness to gain and keep control of the human mind. Question. I understand your devilish nature. Now let us get back to further discussion of your methods of inducing people to drift to hell here on earth. From your confession, I see that you take charge of children while their minds are young and pliable. Tell me more of how you use parents, teachers, and religious leaders to ensnare people into drifting. One of my favorite tricks is to coordinate the efforts of parents and religious instructors so they work together in helping me to destroy the children's power to think for themselves. I use many religious instructors to undermine the courage and power of independent thought of children by teaching them to fear me, but I use parents to aid the religious leaders in this great work of mine. How do parents help religious leaders destroy their children's power to think for themselves? I've never heard of such a monstrosity. I accomplish this through a very clever trick. I cause the parents to teach their children to believe as the parents do in connection with religion, politics, marriage, and other important subjects. In this way, as you can see, when I gain control of the mind of a person, I can easily perpetuate the control by causing that person to help me fasten it upon the minds of his offspring. In what other ways do you use parents to convert children into drifters? I cause children to become drifters by following the example of their parents, most of whom I've already taken over and bound eternally to my cause. 
In some parts of the world, I gain mastery over children's minds and subdue their willpower in exactly the same way that men break and subdue animals of lower intelligence. It makes no difference to me how a child's will is subdued as long as it fears something. I will enter its mind through that fear and limit the child's power to think independently. Question. It seems that you go out of your way to keep people from thinking. Yes, accurate thought is death to me. I cannot exist in the minds of those who think accurately. I do not mind people thinking as long as they think in terms of fear, discouragement, hopelessness, destructiveness. When they begin to think in constructive terms of faith, courage, hope, and definiteness of purpose, they immediately become allies of my opposition and are therefore lost to me. I am beginning to understand how you gain control of the minds of children through the help of their parents and religious instructors, but I do not see how the school teachers help you in this damnable work. School teachers help me gain control of the minds of children, not so much by what they teach the children as because of what they do not teach them. The entire public school system is so administered that it helps my cause by teaching children almost everything except how to use their own minds and think independently. I live in fear that someday some courageous person will reverse the present system of school teaching and deal my cause a death blow by allowing the students to become the instructors, using those who now serve as teachers only as guides to help the children establish ways and means of developing their own minds from within. When that time comes, the school teachers will no longer belong to my staff. Question. I was under the impression that the purpose of all schooling was to help children to think. That may be the purpose of schooling, but the system in most of the schools of the world does not carry out the purpose. School children are taught not to develop and use their own minds, but to adopt and use the thoughts of others. This sort of schooling destroys the capacity for independent thought, except in a few rare cases where children rely so definitely upon their own willpower that they refuse to allow others to do their thinking. Accurate thought is the business of my opposition, not mine. Question. What relationship, if any, has your opposition with the homes, the churches, and the schools? Your reply to this question should be interesting. Here is where I make use of some more of my clever tricks. I cause it to appear that everything done by the parents, the school teachers, and the religious instructors is being done by my opposition. This diverts attention from me while I manipulate the minds of the young. When religious instructors try to teach children the virtues of my opposition, they generally do so by frightening them with my name. That is all I ask of them. I kindle the flame of fear into proportions which destroy the child's power to think accurately. In the public schools, the teachers further my cause by keeping the children so busy cramming non-essential information into their minds that they have no opportunity to think accurately or to analyze correctly the things their instructors teach them. Question. Do you claim for your cause all those who are bound by the habit of drifting? No. Drifting is only one of my tricks through which I take over the power of independent thought. Before a drifter becomes my permanent property, I must lead him on and ensnare him with another trick. I will tell you about this other trick after I finish describing my methods of converting people into drifters. 
Do you mean you have a method by which you can cause people to drift so far away from self-determination that they can never save themselves? Yes, a definite method, and it is so effective it never fails. Do I understand you to claim your method is so powerful your opposition cannot reclaim those whom you've permanently ensnared through drifting? I claim just that. Do you think I would control so many people if my opposition could prevent me? Nothing can stop me from controlling people except people themselves. Nothing can stop me except the power of accurate thought. People who think accurately do not drift on any subject. They recognize the power of their own minds. Moreover, they take over that power and yield it to no person or influence. Question. Go ahead and tell me more of the methods by which you cause people to drift to hell with you. I cause people to drift on every subject through which I can control independent thought and action. Take the subject of health, for example. I cause most people to eat too much food and the wrong sort of food. This leads to indigestion and destroys the power of accurate thought. If the public schools and the churches taught children more about proper eating, they would do my cause irreparable damage. Marriage. I cause men and women to drift into marriage without plan or purpose designed to convert the relationship into harmony. Here is one of my most effective methods of converting people into the habit of drifting. I cause married people to bicker and nag one another over money matters. I cause them to quarrel over the bringing up of their children. I engage them in unpleasant controversies over their intimate relationships and in disagreements over friends and social activities. I keep them so busy finding fault with one another that they never have time to do anything else long enough to break the habit of drifting. Occupation. I teach people to become drifters by causing them to drift out of school into the first job they can find with no definite aim or purpose except to make a living. Through this trick, I keep millions of people in fear of poverty all their lives. Through this fear, I lead them slowly but surely onward until they reach the point beyond which no individual ever has broken the drifting habit. Savings. I cause people to spend freely and to save sparingly or not at all until I take complete control of them through their fear of poverty. Environment. I cause people to drift into inharmonious and unpleasant environments in the home, in their places of occupation, in their relationships with relatives and acquaintances, and to remain there until I claim them through the habit of drifting. Dominating thoughts. I cause people to drift into the habit of thinking negative thoughts. This leads to negative acts and involves people in controversies and fills their minds with fears, thus paving the way for me to enter and control their minds. When I move in, I do so by appealing to people through negative thoughts which they believe to be their own. I plant the seeds of negative thought in the minds of people through the pulpit, the newspapers, the moving pictures, the radio, and all other popular methods of appeal to the mind. I cause people to allow me to do their thinking for them because they are too lazy and too indifferent to think for themselves. Question. I conclude from what you say that drifting and procrastination are the same. Is that true? Yes, that is correct. Any habit which causes one to procrastinate, to put off reaching a definite decision, leads to the habit of drifting. Is man the only creature who drifts? Yes. All other creatures move in response to definite laws of nature. 
Man alone defies nature's laws and drifts when he wills. Everything outside the minds of men is controlled by my opposition, by laws so definite that drifting is impossible. I control the minds of men solely because of their habit of drifting, which is only another way of saying that I control the minds of men only because they neglect or refuse to control and use their own minds. Question. This is getting to be pretty deep stuff for a mere human being. Let's get back to the discussion of something less abstract. Please tell me how this drifting habit affects people in the everyday walks of life, and tell me in terms the average person can understand. I would prefer to keep this interview up among the stars. No doubt you would. That would save you from being exposed. But let us come back to Earth. Tell me now what drifting is doing to us as a nation here in the United States. Frankly, I may as well tell you that I hate the United States as only the devil can hate. That is interesting. What is the cause of this hatred? The cause was born on July 4th, 1776, when 56 men signed a document which destroyed my chances of controlling this nation. You know that document as the Declaration of Independence. Had it not been for the influence of that damnable document, I would now have a dictator running the country, and I would stop this right to free speech and independent thought that is threatening my rule on earth. Am I to understand from what you say that nations controlled by self-appointed dictators belong in your camp? There are no self-appointed dictators. I appoint them all. Moreover, I manipulate them and direct them in their work. Nations run by my dictators know what they want and take it by force. Look what I have done through Mussolini in Italy. Look what I am doing through Hitler in Germany. Look what I am doing through Stalin in Russia. My dictators run those nations for me because the people have been subdued through the habit of drifting. My dictators do no drifting. That is why they rule for me the millions of people under their control. What would happen if Mussolini, Stalin, and Hitler turned traitors and disavowed you and your rule? That will not happen, because I have them too well bribed. I am paying each of them with a sop of his own vanity by making him believe he is acting on his own account. That is another trick of mine. Question. Let us come back to the United States and learn something of what you're doing to convert people into the habit of drifting. Right now, I am paving the way for a dictatorship by sowing the seeds of fear and uncertainty in the minds of the people. Through whom are you carrying on your work? Mainly through the president. I am destroying his influence with the people by causing him to drift on the question of a working agreement between employers and their employees. If I can induce him to drift for another year, he will be so thoroughly discredited I can hand over the country to a dictator. If the president continues to drift, I will paralyze personal freedom in the United States just as I destroyed it in Spain, Italy, Germany, and England. What you say leads me to the conclusion that drifting is a weakness which inevitably ends in failure, whether among individuals or nations. Is that your claim? Drifting is the most common cause of failure in every walk of life. I can control anyone whom I can induce to form the habit of drifting on any subject. The reason for this is twofold. First, the drifter is just so much putty in my hands. 
to be molded into whatever pattern I choose because drifting destroys the power of individual initiative. Second, the drifter cannot get help from my opposition because the opposition is not attracted to anything so soft and useless. Question, is that why a few people are wealthy while the majority of people are poor? That is exactly the reason. Poverty, like physical illness, is a contagious disease. You find it always among the drifters, never among those who know what they want and are determined to get just that. It may mean something to you when I call your attention to the fact that the non-drifters whom I do not control and those who possess most of the wealth of the world happen to be the same people. Question. I have always understood that money was the root of all evil, that the poor and the meek would inherit heaven while the wealthy would pass into your hands. What have you to say of that claim? Men who know how to get the material things of life generally know how to keep out of the hands of the devil as well. The ability to acquire things is contagious. Drifters acquire nothing except that which no one else wants. If more people had definite aims and stronger desires for material and spiritual riches, I would have fewer victims. I assume from what you say that you do not claim fellowship with the industrial leaders. Evidently, they are not friends of yours. Friends of mine? I'll tell you what sort of friends of mine they are. They have belted the entire country with good roads, thus bringing into close communion the people of both city and country with which they have built the skeletons of great skyscrapers. They have harnessed electrical power and converted it into a thousand uses, all designed to give man time to think. They have provided through the automobile personal transportation to the humblest citizen, thus giving to everyone the freedom of travel. They have provided every home with instantaneous news of what is happening in all parts of the world through the aid of the radio. They have reared libraries in every city, town, and hamlet, and have filled them with books, giving to all who read a complete outline of the most useful knowledge mankind has gathered from his experiences. They have given the humblest citizen the right to express his own opinion on any subject, anytime, anywhere, without fear of molestation, and they have seen to it that every citizen may help make his own laws, levy his own taxes, and manage his own country through the ballot. These are but some of the things the industrial leaders have done to give every citizen the privilege of becoming a non-drifter. Do you think these men have helped my cause? Who are some of the present-day non-drifters over whom you have no control? I have control over no non-drifter, present or past. I control the weak, not those who think for themselves. Go ahead and describe a typical drifter. Give your description point by point so I can recognize a drifter when I see him. The first thing you will notice about a drifter is his total lack of a major purpose in life. He will be conspicuous by his lack of self-confidence. He will never accomplish anything requiring thought and effort. He spends all he earns and more too if he can get credit. He will be sick or ailing from some real or imaginary cause and calling to high heaven if he suffers the least physical pain. He will have little or no imagination. He will lack enthusiasm and initiative to begin anything he is not forced to undertake, and he will plainly express his weakness by taking the line of least resistance whenever he can do so.
He will be ill-tempered and lacking in control over his emotions. His personality will be without magnetism and it will not attract other people. He will have opinions on everything but accurate knowledge of nothing. He may be jack-of-all-trades but good at none. He will neglect to cooperate with those around him, even those on whom he must depend for food and shelter. He will make the same mistake over and over again, never profiting by failure. He will be narrow-minded and intolerant on all subjects, ready to crucify those who may disagree with him. He will expect everything of others, but be willing to give little or nothing in return. He may begin many things, but he will complete nothing. He will be loud in his condemnation of his government, but he will never tell you definitely how it can be improved. He will never reach decisions on anything if he can avoid it, and if he is forced to decide, he will reverse himself at the first opportunity. He will eat too much and exercise too little. He will take a drink of liquor only if someone else will pay for it. He will gamble if he can do it on the cuff. He will criticize others who are succeeding in their chosen calling. In brief, the drifter will work harder to get out of thinking than most others work in earning a good living. He will tell a lie rather than admit his ignorance on any subject. If he works for others, he will criticize them to their backs and flatter them to their faces. You have given me a graphic description of the drifter. Please now describe the non-drifter so that I may recognize him on sight. The first sign of a non-drifter is this. He is always engaged in doing something definite through some well-organized plan which is definite. He has a major goal in life toward which he is always working and many minor goals all of which lead toward his central scheme. The tone of his voice, the quickness of his step, the sparkle in his eyes, the quickness of his decisions clearly mark him as a person who knows exactly what he wants and is determined to get it no matter how long it may take or what price he must pay. If you ask him questions, he gives you direct answers and never falls back on evasions or resorts to subterfuge. He extends many favors to others, but accepts favors sparingly or not at all. He will be found up front whether he is playing a game or fighting a war. If he does not know the answers, he will say so frankly. He has a good memory, never offers an alibi for his shortcomings. He never blames others for his mistakes, no matter if they deserve the blame. He used to be known as a go-getter, but in modern times he is called a go-giver. You will find him running the biggest business in town, living on the best street, driving the best automobile, and making his presence felt wherever he happens to be. He is an inspiration to all who come into contact with his mind. The major distinguishing feature of the non-drifter is this. He has a mind of his own and uses it for all purposes. Question. Is the non-drifter born with some mental, physical, or spiritual advantage not available to the drifter? No. The major difference between the drifter and the non-drifter is something equally available to both. It is simply the prerogative right of each to use his own mind and think for himself. What brief message would you send to the typical drifter if you wish to cure him of this evil habit? I would admonish him to wake up and give. Give what? Some form of service useful to as many people as possible. So the non-drifter is supposed to give, is he? Yes, if he expects to get. 
and he must give before he gets. Some people doubt that you exist. I wouldn't worry about that if I were you. Those who are ready to be converted from the habit of drifting will recognize the authenticity of this interview by its soundness of counsel. The others are not worth the trouble it would take to convert them. Question. Why do you not try to stop me from publishing this confession I'm wringing from you? Because that would be the surest of all ways to guarantee you will publish it. I have a better plan than trying to suppress publication of my confession. I will urge you to go ahead with the publication and then sit back and watch you suffer when some of my faithful drifters begin to make things hot for you. I will not need to deny your story. My followers will do that for me. See if they don't.